When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network, alongside my great friend, co-host, Mr. Brent Beard, college football analyst for First Coast News, down in Jacksonville, Florida, also a longtime voter for the most prestigious honor in all of collegiate athletics, the Heisman Trophy. And Brent, as we look around the SEC for week eight of the 2023 season, a lighter load. You got several teams on the bye week. You've got Florida and Georgia, most notably among that group, getting the week off. Uh, You've got talk about coaching uncertainty now as we pass the waypoint. Buyouts, you know, that's the one stat seemingly comes up more so than yards per carry, yards per pass attempt, tackles for loss. Once we get to later October, those buyouts seem to crop up more and more. Yeah, yeah, they really do. And and, uh, it's a uh, probably a good time for a lot of these schools to uh, uh, to have a bye week that Georgia needed with with uh, uh, Brock Bowers. You still got questions, even though now they're playing in Arkansas about Rock and Sanders. Uh, and, but it's just one of those things to where, uh, as, as we approach the midpoint of the season, uh, these teams need to, uh, uh, to, to take, to take a few days off, kind of see where they're going and, and also get some of these guys healthy. No doubt. And you talk about Brock Bowers and the impact of his situation on that Georgia team, a Georgia team with considerable depth at tight end. I mean, because Georgia, unlike many programs, many offenses in college football's football these days, still very reliant on the tight end position. But then there's this sort of other echelon when you talk about Brock Bowers, because he's more than just a traditional tight end, as we know, to that team and to that offense. Uh, he really is. I had a Georgia beat writers. <laughs> I asked him about the uh, the running back injuries, and he said, well, if it gets real bad, well, what I think they'll do is they'll put Bowers in the backfield and give him the ball three times in a row. Uh, and, and, and frankly, Trav, I think he probably could do that. But, it, you know, the other thing that's kind of cropped up with them, as much criticism as they've gone about that schedule with – uh, Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and even Georgia Tech. Uh, and I'm not saying that, that they're they're going to lose one of those games, but it's one it's that the thing you, you and I have talked about for years is just the cumulative reflect, uh, effect of this league and the meat grinder that that makes it so tough. Then at some point, Trev uh, uh, on a oh, what on a cold night in Kentucky or Missouri. Uh, when snow's falling a little bit, you've got a lot of injuries. You could lose a game in this league like that. Yeah, uh, we've talked about it many times. This is typically where the cream separates yes. from the crop because yes. attrition, as you said, starts to take hold 
in the earlier stages of the second half of the season, and that's typically when the have-not-haves gain more separation Mm -hmm. from the have-nots. Rosters at six, eight, nine, ten teams, programs around the league, just aren't built in the same way as, say, three or four of these rosters in the SEC are built on an annual basis. So that's typically where that starts to occur. You know, I get questions all the time. You know, why isn't this running back playing? Why isn't this running back getting (laughs) carries? And my answer to that is just be patient. Because when we get into late October, early November, especially at positions like running back and those collision-centric positions, that's where depth really starts to show up. And, you know, look, this is week eight. We're not going to get too much into week nine, but it's hard not to look ahead for both Georgia and Florida to Jacksonville in a week's time because Florida uh, much needed from a psyche perspective to be able to go on the road, come back from 10 down in the final five or six minutes or so and do it in large part with quarterback play because Etienne and Williams, they were good in the game against South Carolina, uh, but they, excuse me, Johnson, they, but they weren't overly impactful. I think they had a combined 20 carries for, uh, 59 or 99 yards. That's, that's solid work. Uh, but to be able to get it done with Graham Mertz and those wide receivers and his tight end, uh, Boardingham, a very nice player in his own right. That's gotta be a big, big thing for Billy Napier's team. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And, and they really need to feature ETN more. I, I think he may be a special back for them. Uh, but to your point about Mertz, that that was the biggest uh, surprise that that he really became has become more than a game manager. They had 16 explosive plays on offense, and half of those came uh, in the fourth quarter. Now, look, uh, you and I and whoever you play golf with, uh, Trav, could probably uh, 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 run and throw on the you know, South Carolina defense. But still, to be 10 behind uh, in a roaring crowd uh, that Merch stepped up to the plate and really played well uh, in the uh, uh, the fourth quarter. I was really, really impressed with what he, he was able to do. And I tell you what, Travis Pearsall uh, emerging as, and maybe he was, but he's certainly getting there now, uh, is one of the more important wide receivers in the league. He is, and you knew it was big for him to come back. And, you know, you wondered if he was a true number one type. And they don't really need him to be that guy if Wilson and some of these other guys are going to continue to come on like they have. Uh, but he was huge, no doubt, in, in South Carolina with that game-winning touchdown catch. And uh, here they come. Here they come, Brent. The Joe Burrow comparisons oh. for Graham Mertz. Yeah. You know, yeah. we heard some of that last year with Jack Miller. Yes. You know, that was the hope when he came in from Ohio State. But right. in all seriousness, Mertz has been been very big in some of the biggest games of the season. South Carolina, the win against Tennessee, I thought he was very, very good. Maybe not productive to the extent that he was in Columbia last Saturday. But I guess the point is the guy that you – maybe had the most questions about for this Florida team going into the season midway through it. He's one of their top strengths. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and Trav, how important was it 
for them just to win something on the road. I, I, I mean, oh geez, Na- yeah. Napier one of seven, uh, one in seven on the road. Uh, that that was certainly big for them. Uh, now, if they can meet Arkansas, that they'll at least get into a bowl game. And look, you heard it like I did. Gator fans, Gator fans in the in the gym or at church or at the grocery store at the beginning of the year. Well, if we can win six and go to a bowl game, I'll sign a contract for that right now. Well, that that, that was you're right. That was in the preseason. Now they're going to be on the Gator Rock, and <laughs> anything short of a win over yeah. a Brock Bowerless Georgia team yeah. at the cocktail party next week, and the Wolves will be right back out uh, after Billy Napier. That's the nature yeah. of the deal. He understands that. Speaking of coaches who understand the nature of the deal, and speaking of a great deal, Jimbo Fisher, as the Aggies go into a bye week, Brent, and uh, we talked about the bye week season kind of cranking up. Once coaches, uh, you, you get into Jimbo Fisher, maybe Sam Pittman, uh, especially in the league right now, the seats are getting warmer by the moment, and that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 million for Jimbo. Yeah. I guess it it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't look as much to some of those A&M supporters as it did even a month ago. Well, and let me offer this too. I, I was listening to a A&M beat writer yesterday and I, I, what, what he was asked the question, uh, just what we're talking about here is, uh, will they make a move at the end of the year? And his comment was, and I thought this was actually rather insightful into the Aggie psyche. He said, they're probably going to stay married a while longer, as he put it, because they play Texas next year. And in their mind, uh, everything's got to go forward in order to beat Texas. And what that means (laughs) is, uh, what, what that means is, Trav, is we, we know that we're not sure how much longer this is going to go on, but we figure if if, if we keep him, uh, meaning Jimbo, that there that pretty much his roster would stay intact, uh, and and maybe Petrino will be there another year, uh, so we can get all the uh, all the wagon circle for that Texas game next year which we've heard may start the season that that's just kind of a rumor, but that would be, uh, that would be interesting. So, so Trav, how about that logic today? <laughs> My logic is Jimbo Fisher is now zero and eight against ranked sec teams on yes. the road. Yes. With Jimbo at the helm. That's my logic. That's some <laughs> Kevin someone ish. Yeah. You know, it is. Towards the end of his tenure. So, uh, it, it's obviously a big number when you talk about, uh, the buyout, but uh, we'll see how this continues to play out for A&M as it returns to action uh, in a week's time. But what we want to do is we always do here on the podcast. We like to preview as we review from the previous week, and we'll get it started this Saturday with that noon Eastern window, just one early game in the SEC coming up on Saturday as Mississippi State and Arkansas get together in Fayetteville and Brent, Somebody's got to win an SEC game at this point. Mississippi State comes in 0-3 off a much-needed bye week. Arkansas, after another close and contested loss within the league, sits at 0-4 in SEC play. Losers of five straight now 
for Sam Pittman. And so, again, I asked the question, teams that are looking for wins, uh, there's part of me that likes Arkansas in this game because I've seen them absolutely compete with the likes of LSU and Alabama and uh, Ole Miss. But uh, there's the reality that uh, sometimes teams just fail to figure out a way to get over the hump. Yeah, they, they really do. And the question, the big question about this game is, um, who's going to play uh, for for, some, for both these teams? I mean, Will Rogers and Woody Marks uh, have been banged up, uh, and uh, hopefully they're going to be back now. Uh, now, listen, you told us early in the year about Woody Marks, and when he plays, he makes a difference. He's at Trav. He's basically averaging 100 yards a game. So that, that that tells you what he's doing. And in your point, well, Arkansas, and I don't know if that fan base at the end of the year, how they'll take this, but at least at this point, that's eight one possession losses dating back to last year. They're only averaging about 100 yards rushing a game if they're doing that, and particularly with, with Rocket Sanders uh, being out. Uh, but, I mean, it, it – and again, uh, you can tell they're close. They've got a really tremendous quarterback in KJ Jefferson. Gonna have a lot of help here, but uh, boy, that this is a crucial game for these teams. Yeah, I mean, somebody somebody's got to get an SEC win here. Um, you know, the Rocket Sanders situation is mystifying. I understand yeah. there's supposedly an injury involved, uh, but he is out this week for Mississippi State, and it sound it's sounding more and more like this is going to be a remainder of the season situation for Rocket Sanders. And when I look at Arkansas watching the Razorbacks most recently against Alabama, I don't think running back play is, is the issue. They've got some solid backs. They've got AJ green. They've got Rashad DeBinion, Dominique Johnson, and collectively they're capable of doing some really good things. So again, you look at the loss at Ole Miss 27, 20, the loss at LSU, a three-point game, three-point loss to Alabama on the road. It's got to feel good to this Arkansas team as much as anything to know it's at home finally after yep. a month on the road. Yeah, uh, and and that that's going to be huge uh, to say, to say the least. But uh, Florida, Auburn, uh, FIU, and Missouri uh, still to go. So. Uh, 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 hogs with a lot of work to do still. 3.30 Eastern on Saturday on CBS. It's the third Saturday in October. 17th ranked Tennessee travels to number 11, Alabama, Tennessee, coming off a sort of retro win against Texas A&M last Saturday in Knoxville. If you're a leatherhead or an old head, you probably enjoyed that 20-13 to 13 game where there wasn't exactly a ton of offensive fireworks, but man, when you talk about this Tennessee run game right now and the legitimacy of it, if you had any questions about that going into last Saturday, they were answered for you by Saturday night because that's an A&M defense that had proven very problematic to run against, even for Alabama a week earlier. And it didn't seem like much of a problem for Jalen Wright. Eight runs of 10 yards or more for Wright, who I'm on record for a while now as being perhaps the biggest fan of, of anyone you'll come across. So that's the matchup for me in this game Saturday. That's where it all starts, Brent. Tennessee spreading you out, 
and then running the football with Wright and Small and Sampson and then mixing in some Milton as well. I think for Alabama from its nickel package, it's got to show that it can slow down that run game and not just on first down because in this offense this year with the limited capabilities that Tennessee seems to have on the outside and in the vertical passing game compared to a year ago, Josh Heupel, he'll stay with that run game on second down, yeah. third down. I saw it a good bit last week against A&M. Well, the, I, I give Heupel a lot of credit. Uh, this team is very different than last year, and obviously you don't have the explosive players like Hinn and Hooker, but uh, and this is a really telling stat here. Tennessee is 5-0 and this year when they're running for over 160 yards, and my goodness, 14-0 and the last 14 times they've done that. And as you know, in covering it, uh, they ran for nearly 200 in Obama last year. Yep. Uh, two and three when they when they don't. Uh, so and and I think the other thing that that Hypo deserves some credit for is they they really went out of their way to solidify this defense. Now uh, look, they're not the '85 Bears. We understand that, but they're a whole lot better defensively, aren't they, Trav, than they were um, uh, coming in. Uh, to this season. So I, I give them a lot of credit uh, for what they've done. Guys like James Pierce, uh, who have really stood up uh, and played well. Uh, the um, it, the other interesting thing about this game is I, I think these quarterbacks mirror each other. Frankly, they're both their strength. They're both running the ball, uh, probably o- certainly over throwing the ball in, uh, in Milton's been, uh, I, I think they realized probably early on what he could do and what he couldn't do, uh, and and they basically have uh, strengthened the other areas uh, of this um, uh, defense, uh, particularly in the running attack. But you're right. I mean, to do what they did to A&M uh, in that front seven, and again, Trev, I still think the key to this game is can the Alabama offensive line protect Milrow and be able to – to make some enough holes to run the ball, which is what now is a very uh, certainly adequate, good uh, Tennessee front seven. Yeah, Tennessee, it's still a bit of an unknown, too, outside of the state of Tennessee, because yeah. six games for the Vols, five played in the state of Tennessee, four in Knoxville, the opener against Virginia in Nashville. That was essentially a pseudo home game for the Vols there. So, uh, when it has gone on the road the one time this season against an even quality type of opponent in Florida, the balls did not perform well. So mm. that is, I think, as much of as anything why you see that line where you see it, where it opened and where it currently sits here on a Wednesday morning around eight and a half, nine points in favor of Alabama. So we'll see how Joe Milton and that offense perform on the road, I think for Alabama offensively, you're right. If it thinks it's going to line up and just sort of run these basic zone run plays on, on the interior uh, against that Tennessee front seven, I love Aaron Beasley at the linebacker position too. Um, it's going to be tough. I think what you yeah. saw Florida do, I think there's a blueprint for what Florida did, not just in terms of being at home, but what Florida did offensively from the outset of that Tennessee game. 
They had variety. There were jet sweeps. There was work to the perimeter. There were zone runs. There were gap scheme runs. They were pulling linemen on occasion. Uh, we saw Alabama do more of that, I thought, against Arkansas last week. And so they'll need to be a continuation of that for Alabama if it's going to have a chance to kind of hang in there in the run game. Because as you outlined and how important that is to Tennessee and for how much talk there'll be about last year's shootout in Knoxville, as you said, also two entirely different offenses this yeah. time around. And, and I do think, though, when you talk explosive plays and, and you're right, both fan bases, I think, look at their quarterbacks as reasons why they won't win yeah. <laughs> on Saturday. Yeah. But I'll say this for Jalen Milrow, man. He keeps hitting on the explosive plays. This is a guy that is averaging 10.9 yards per attempt mm-hmm. in SEC play. I mean, you know, that's that's to a level. That's Mac Jones type of stuff uh, that you're seeing from Jalen when it comes to the explosive passing game also at 3:30 eastern on saturday i think this is the mayor's cup right the teams from columbia south carolina yes. and missouri getting together out in como uh missouri playing at a at a very high level at six and one two and one in the southeastern conference and boy give missouri a lot of credit for that performance especially over the final two and a half three quarters up in lexington uh, really dominant through that stretch and getting a big SEC Eastern Division road win up in the bluegrass. Uh, and Trav, what what about getting that win and Luther Burden only catching two passes for 15 yards? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, we talk about Missouri and improvement, and I know you've outlined this a good bit for us in the past, but uh, it finally has a defense they yeah. can at least keep it around in games if some aspects of the offense or the kicking game aren't going especially well. Because that was a game last Saturday night. They're down 14 to nothing on the yeah. road. Absolutely. And then proceed in the second quarter to run off 17 to get into the half up three and then really own the fourth quarter too. 18 fourth quarter points. And oh, look, you said it. The passing game wasn't especially uh, Productive Brady Cook with 175 passing yards. Uh, Schrader, the running back, with 71 yards. Burden wasn't especially effective. But, you know, we'll get into more of this, too, uh, maybe as we we talk about uh, Kentucky on its bye week this week. The, the Devin Leary situation and the passing game for uh, Kentucky just still not living up to the standard that most expected for it this season. Ray Davis with 128 yards. That's nice. Uh, but I, I again, I, I kind of look back to that Missouri defense as much as anything else in this game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Travis, South Carolina right now, uh, uh, frankly, uh, mentally is just not there, are they, bud? Uh, I, I mean, Beamer right now, and a lot of this is coming out, and and, and we're not saying he's going to be fired, uh, but the, the folks there are not happy in losing that Florida game the way that they did. I mean, Missouri's pass offense is number six uh, in the nation. South Carolina is 120. Uh, yeah. But Be- Beamer now is 17 and 15 at South Carolina. Now, look, he made his reputation there by winning November games uh, against Tennessee, Clemson, and Florida. Uh, but and, and they're really looking at 
Clayton White, their D coordinator, is the guy who's getting a lot of the uh, uh, the, the criticism. And uh, and and you know, uh, uh, former Auburn basketball coach Sonny Smith had this saying of, "I don't think I would have told that uh, if you're Shane Beamer, Trav, uh, uh, you're you're telling folks." I got mad after the Florida game. I kicked something. I broke my foot. How, how about that, Trav? Well, he, he may not have been able to conceal that. If he was in a in-person media setting, you yeah. know, like these coaches are on Mondays, you, if you come in with a cast or a boot on, yeah. you, you, you're going to have to explain something yeah. you know, at that point. Yeah. You're not going to be able to just uh, breeze right past that one. But, no, I mean, in-game, he was very vocal about his displeasure with the defense, yeah. specifically well, the players, um, with Alyssa Lang of SEC Network, we we heard that interview, and then post game he reiterated, "Look, we're putting these guys in some positions and some opportunities to make plays, and for whatever reason, they're not carrying it out to the fullest extent." Right. And I think South Carolina fans don't, as you said, don't really want to hear that as much as they don't want to hear about a broken foot. I think they actually probably feel better about the broken foot because it shows yeah. that, you know, Beamer is, is sensing the same sort of level yeah. of frustration they are. I'll tell you the guy I feel bad for, for South Carolina is Spencer Rattler. Oh man. Because this guy continues to put up all sec type of numbers. He does. Uh, and right now he's on a team that is not going to bring back a lot of individual honors for him. But I do think with the NFL, you're not hearing as much buzz with him in NFL circles, but I think once we get to the postseason and yep. the in the draft process, I think Rattler has put himself in a position to really move up that pecking order. And it, at this point, it's hard for me to imagine Spencer Rattler lasting through the second round of next April's draft. But more pressingly for this team, yeah, there are stretches uh, of of good things. Leggett, uh, Leggett, uh, Rattler. Um, you know, but it, it's just there, there's not the consistency. And, you know, I think that's the thing for Beamer, too. Not that he's thinking about it, but there, there's still the the opportunities out there to get right uh, with this fan base. And, and as much as anything, that might be Clemson to end the season in Columbia. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. But listen, with this schedule they've got, Trev at Missouri at A&M, Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson, and, and listen, they've even got Jacksonville State in here with Rich Rod, and that's a team that's playing. Got his sixth now. win last night. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, uh, could could they get scared to death from Jacksonville State? Boy, that would that, uh, that that would really set the fans on fire, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you lose to the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State and you're the SEC's Gamecocks, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think that would. Sit well with the old fan base. No. Seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN on Saturday night. Ole Miss travels to Auburn. We talk about teams in search of an SEC win. Hugh Freeze still looking for his first as the head coach of the Tigers. Ole Miss should be fresh and rejuvenated after a much needed bye week. But this is a series, really, when you look at it, including, I think, six of the last seven have gone to the Auburn Tigers, and AU has just dominated this thing with the Rebels throughout history. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and uh, I think can Pete Golding's defense stop the uh, the Auburn run uh, game? And I think it's obvious right now, Auburn's not going to get much done throwing the ball. 
So if you can make them basically one dimensional at this time, travel with the Auburn beat riders uh, in the um, uh, in their last game tweeted out late in the game, Auburn just topped 100 yards passing against a Power 5 opponent for the first time since October 29th of 2022. Wow. Now, obviously, this will be the last year uh, under Hugh Freeze that they will be struggling at quarterback, uh, but it has been really difficult for them right now. And I'll say this, too. Trav, if if Ole Miss wins this game – um, I mean, you've got Vandy, A&M, Mississippi State. This could be a really nice year for Lane. Yeah, this is a this is an Ole Miss team for Lane that can provide him with that middle finger to the haters that yeah. he loves to yeah, really. serve up so well. Because as we've talked about, and perfectly obvious going into the the last offseason with the way the 2022 campaign sort of wrapped up and then into the Auburn situation. Uh, there were some wolves getting after Lane a little bit over in Oxford. They seem to have been quieted. Now, you, you don't want to come out of a bye week flat and lay an egg against an Auburn team that really looked non-competitive against yes. LSU last yes. week. That That's that's my bigger concern, and I understand we're in the portal era. You can flip rosters, and you can change things very quickly. I understand that. Just look at Prime and Colorado um, for more on that. But uh, that that looked like just a bad, bad football team. And understanding uh, the next team we're going to talk about, the LSU Tigers, look to be ascending at the right time of the year, even with those two losses and the one earlier loss to Ole Miss and SEC play. The Tigers, though, I wouldn't think there are many things worse than a midseason matchup with an academy program. And I know Army comes into this one at 2 and 4 Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern on SEC Network. But, man, you prepare for these offenses that at least in some form or fashion have some carryover on a week-to-week basis. You get into the season, and right here in week 8, here comes Army at you if you're this – LSU defense. So uh, I know LSU is feeling better about things on the defensive side of the ball. I think you you have to at least consider that, you know, Auburn is not 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama when it comes to offensive football right now. But from a psyche perspective, I think that performance against Auburn was that what that LSU defense needed at this point in the season. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and Travis, it, it, now you and I have followed the um, uh, the military schools for quite a while, and this is almost funny to read. But Army uh, is uh, they have improved their passing game. That Trav, they're up to 16 attempts per game. There you go. They're they're averaging 143 yards passing a game and the 8.9 yards per attempt. And, and listen, that that is. That is like uh, uh, five wide uh, as far as Army is concerned. Boy, the thing that really has got my attention about this, and you have made this stat um, uh, extremely important, Jaden Daniels leads the nation at 11 yards per attempt uh, at this point, uh, uh, Trav, 
Uh, I don't know if this guy is getting the credit he deserves. I mean, he has kept them in games, and and, and he, I I don't know if he'll make New York, but I, but I can tell you as a Heisman voter, uh, Trent, he deserves a hard look at what he has done this year. I think Jaden Daniels' candidacy comes down to one game, and that's Alabama in that's the right. uh, that's right in, the, yes. in November fourth. Uh, in Tuscaloosa, because I think A&M and Arkansas, well, he's already seen Arkansas, but uh, as far as like A&M later in the season, some of those stages that you anticipated for him, they may not be quite what you thought they would be. Now, if Alabama beats Tennessee this week and we get that sort of top 10-ish yeah. matchup with LSU right. in Alabama uh, on that following on the, the the after the bye week for both teams, uh, he, I think he has a chance. If he lights up Alabama uh, and LSU gets a win on the road, uh, and then perhaps he gets another shot in the SEC championship game, that stage, uh, I think he's got an opportunity. Right now, I mean, you look at it, Michael Penix and Penix and uh, you know some of these other guys, Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma. Uh, you see them getting more of the love in the Heisman race. But I, I think there's still some opportunities for Jaden Daniels to uh, close the gap there. But I, I, as much as anything, you know, you look at this LSU run game and how it's come along too. You know, LSU, I think, yeah, right now leads the SEC and runs of 10 yards or more with 51. Um, that's in seven games. Tennessee also has 51 in one fewer game. So that tells you about the production of the balls on the ground, yeah. but uh, that mix too. Uh, you know, last year it wasn't just Jaden Daniels having to do it through the air. He was pretty much the run game in yeah, a lot of ways for well, LSU. I think well, with Logan yeah. Diggs coming in there from Notre Dame, that's that that's changed a little bit or a good bit for this offense. See, they thought they'd get a lot more at John Emery uh, at running back. They've been thinking they, that for about seven years yeah, now. They have, haven't they, Trav? But 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 look, that just hasn't happened. Uh, but, but I'm with you. I, I I don't think Diggs has got the credit. And last year, last week, Travi was 18 for 97. So I'm, I mean, he he's either around or above 100 yards every game. He is absolutely not a not a speed merchant, but a nice compliment mm-hmm. because your explosive guy is your quarterback. Yeah, you know, he's the guy that can hurt defenses for chunks. Uh, and, and Diggs can do it too, but more so between the tackles than on the perimeter. Well, there you go. There is a preview of week eight in the Southeastern conference. Anything else for us before we get out of here? Well, uh, and we won't go into that much because the time, but boy, they, uh, I mean, you can't help but be impressed with what Washington has done. Um, and, uh, with, uh, Penix, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, Huge game, uh, Penn State at Ohio State. Uh, I think um, uh, Southern Cal coming back down to uh, uh, with a hard thump on the ground after that uh, after that loss, and they've got Utah this week who beat them up uh, last year too. So, but Trav, before we go, uh, is is pops? Feeling better about his Gators right now, and uh, back on the bandwagon more. Uh, he's, he continues to be largely unmoved. I think he was, <laughs> as much as anything, he was crushed by that late Friday night uh, comeback by Stanford. Oh, 
against his guy, Coach Prime. You know, that 29 to nothing halftime lead for the Buffaloes went by the board. So I think that hurt him. We went out to dinner with Pops. You can't take him anywhere. Uh, we went to a pizza and wings place here in the last night or so. And the last time he had been there, they did not serve him the adequate amount of carrots and celery that he likes with his chicken wings. Yes. So last night he has Nana go into her purse and she pulls out this Ziploc of <laughs> celery and carrots that she had prepared. So he was ready. He was ready, yeah. but it's, you know, it's just stuff like that that you just can't take him anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's officially, I mean, he's always been kind of, he doesn't care what anyone thinks, right. but now, you know, in his mid seventies, oof. He's just all the way through that barrier, that wow. barricade. Wow. You know? Well, I'm sure he's spending most of his time thinking about when he can get Nana for Christmas. Oh, sure. With, with the holidays coming yeah. out, right? What flavor Skittles she likes, you know, her favorite. So there you go. Well, Brent, as always, a lot of fun with you right here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Man, I look forward to doing it again. The week of the cocktail party is coming up. Me too, Brad. Have a great week. All right. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Until next time, so long, everybody.